This podcast is made possible by Sound Toys, makers of the award-winning Echo Boy and a full line of professional audio effects plugins. Twist, morph, drive, and push your creativity to brave new worlds with the analog attitude of Sound Toys. Learn more at soundtoys.com. Hey, it's Larry Crane. Welcome to the Tape Op Podcast. Dan Auerbach, along with drummer Patrick Carney, started the Black Keys in 2001 as a writing and recording project, releasing their first album in 2002. Dan also began recording and producing other artists along the way, initially with musicians like Jessica Lee Mayfield, Patrick Sweeney, and others. Big changes arrived for the Black Keys in 2010, when the album Brothers and the single Tighten Up sold millions of copies and garnered three Grammy Awards. Dan moved to Nashville around then and opened up his Easy Eye Sound Studio, a place filled with the best vintage and new recording equipment, and is also home to many fun instruments. Sessions for The Pretenders, Dr. John, Shannon and the Clams, Lana Del Rey, and many more have gone on here. I dropped in to hang with Dan and his engineer Alan Parker in June of 2018 to learn more about his career and thoughts on producing records. Check out the new Black Keys album, Let's Rock, and look for a tape-off interview with Patrick Carney of the band soon. Enjoy. This audio recording was not originally tracked with the intent of using for a podcast. It was recorded solely for transcription for our print interview. Please forgive any balance issues, background sounds, or lack of clarity. Enjoy. With your band with Black Keys and stuff, I kind of remember hearing it was like real DIY and stuff. And yeah. Did you think, did you guys take like recording uh, into your own hands in the beginning? Oh, yeah, on? totally. I mean, that's, yeah. that's what we did. You know, like yeah. the first time I ever saw a cassette four track was. Um, at Pat's house. Yeah. And that's what we started on was the Tascam four yeah. track and um and then we had a three eighty eight and we had a little digital mm-hmm. multi tracker and we had some reel to reel shitty reel to reel machines and <laughs> and yeah, we always were building a studio and recording ever since I met Pat. Yeah. And it seemed like that was just kinda of hand in hand with the band. It was it was uh it started as a recording project. We both really? loved recording. Yeah. And goofing around with four track and making mixtapes, right. and and we'd never played a show, but we <laughs> sent one of our mixtapes uh, to some labels, yeah. and we got a record deal, and then we got a review in Rolling Stone, and we'd never played a show. I never knew that. Yeah, that's crazy. It was all a recording <laughs> thing yeah. at first. So then having like we're like, oh shit, we got a record now. I guess we got to go and we got to play shows. Yeah, and uh, that's how it all started. That's crazy. Yeah. Did you have to kind of gear up for live? Like, oh yeah, we were we were not and... good at it at first. We had about thirty minutes of material, and we did it in about fifteen minutes, just oh, like Christ. flying through the songs. Yeah, I remember just... our first show. We just we played at the Beachland Tavern in Cleveland, and mm-hmm. pretty much totally blacked out the whole show. We don't remember anything. You know? <laughs> 
That's crazy. What what was the kind of evolution after like the 388 and stuff? What sort of stuff were you well, guys grabbing? I mean, we loved the 388. We did the second record on a 388. Yeah. And then the and then we were then we got Tascam um 16 track. Oh, the MSR 16. Huge Tascam console that Pat bought from Canada. It was Loverboy's <laughs> old console. <laughs> wow. <laughs> we ended up we 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 rented a room in the the abandoned General Tire factory in Akron, and the whole building was was vacant. And wow! It, and uh, <laughs> when we were done, we just left the console in there, and they demolished the building. And the Lover Boys console. Oh went, man, it's a piece it. of history. You know? <laughs> well, I know where it's buried. <laughs> oh, and then awesome. we uh, and then we went to Pro Tools, and we yeah. we were using Pro Tools. I, I had radar. Mm -hmm. which i really loved yeah. i love the sound of it and right I, I loved, everyone does i loved working with it yeah and some of the best sounding re recordings i think i ever made were on radar right ironically did you feel any remorse for or stepping away from tape at all or analog no yeah uh -uh. i never felt any like <laughs> um, allegiance allegiance <laughs> but I, you could hear a difference i mean it's all yeah you can each little format and then it's like each tape has its own particular characteristics yeah, so it's right. like i don't know Somebody it all depends yeah tape's cool when you've got like a great band mm -hmm. that can play live right but right. if you're most bands uh you know yeah it takes a little work and it's like <laughs> it, pro tools makes that a little bit easier to deal with oh yeah when was the first time you guys worked in an outside studio and that not said we made um five records on our own right and then it was the sixth record um we did with Danger Mouse. That was the first time we ever used a producer. Right. And the first time we ever recorded in a real studio. Right. What studio did you start at on, on that one? It was a place called Suma. In, oh. In Painesville, Ohio. The Hammond family? Ken Hammond's place. Yeah. Paul, Paul Hammond was there. Right. It. Ken was passed away. But right. It's still like the coolest studio I've ever been to. It was yeah. the first real studio I was ever yeah, in. Yeah, Parubu had done stuff out there. Parubu. Yeah. Um, Grand Funk. Oh, that's right. Grand Funk oh, the right set. But, but I mean, he was the, um, he was a North American, Ken Hammond was a North American distributor for um, um, Gotham Audio. So oh, he right. supplied Motown and all these different places with their parts for their consoles right. and all of their machines and all their cables. That was all Ken. Right. He went up to Motown, helped them set up their console and stuff. <laughs> So, you know, just like a history of amazing Wasn't, audio. Didn't they have a custom console in that place? They've too? always had custom yeah, consoles. They started at Cleveland Recording in Cleveland. They oh, built their right. own tube consoles. That's right. Fucking awesome. Yeah. But then they built their own 36-channel split console, the first ever um, first ever um, graphic EQ. It was, oh, wow. It was way pre-API. It was pre-Sphere. <laughs> right. And right. it didn't have... Um, it didn't have... Uh, frequencies on it it had notes oh wow you know you change the notes um <laughs> that's pretty big cool. long throw gotham faders you know right. just so Man. beautiful is that studio still around or what's happened with that paul, paul passed away right and um i don't know i heard that a while back. the whole place was kind of caving in you know it was oh. a <laughs> yeah it was kind of run down and sort of it's so in the middle of nowhere yeah, yeah. And like in the winter time, that's just the lake effect is right there. Lake effect snow. Mm -hmm. It's just oh man, hard place to run a business. I think. Yeah, 
Yeah, it's too bad we did an article. God, I love that place ago. so much. I learned so much in that. Was that was that just for that album, or you have been in there at other times? That was only for that album. Yeah, but um, I went in, I went and toured it before. That's why we went there. Yeah, uh, I'd gone and taken a tour because I'd heard about it and I wanted to meet Paul. Yeah, and sort of like learn about that stuff, and um, yeah, we made you know we made Danger Mouse go there. Yeah, <laughs> what did Brian totally of out of his comfort zone, <laughs> you know, because he never works without his engineer, right? Who's like his right hand man, mm -hmm. part of his flow. <laughs> we totally got him out of his whole routine and made him go to Painesville <laughs> <laughs> and use the in house engineer who wasn't, you know, he's not like lightning fast with Pro Tools, he's just right. kind of old, right. tape, old tape guy, right? You know, right? And uh. <laughs> <laughs> How did you how did you end up working with with Brian with Danger Mouse? Uh, Pat met him in L.A. Yeah, Pat was hobnobbing, and met Brian, and um, they just sparked up a conversation. And Brian mentioned, "If you guys ever want to have a producer, let me know." Yeah, he said, "I'd love to work with you guys." And like like I said, we'd done five albums by ourselves, so it was like mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> we'd had enough of ourselves. Yeah, <laughs> so. Uh, but it was time to like open ourselves up to new a new yeah. experience. What was different about that for you guys? Well, initially, I mean, especially. honestly, I mean, we, we'd been so insular that it yeah. was like almost unhealthy. And I think that if you're just trying to be like the shags or something, it's okay to like stay in your basement. But yeah. if you really want to like, I don't know, learn things and try to enjoy yourself and like kind of get into it. You gotta like work with people. You have to yeah. open yourself up to the experience. You have to like let yourself be comfortable with like working with somebody else. And that was the first time we'd ever done that. Yeah. And you know, we sold like four times as many albums as, <laughs> and like Yeah. That was and a real we started shift. our relationship with Brian and mm -hmm. it was it was cool, man. And we worked with uh, Paul and it was Yeah. You know, now we knew what like Neumann Mike sound were supposed to sound like. You know what I mean? <laughs> Proper We ones. had like frame of reference for things. Yeah, and, yeah. Right. That's cool. With the with the relationship with Brian continued. Yeah, we did a few time. records yeah. with Brian. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we just we clicked with him, got yeah. along, it was fun, you yeah. know. And when did Mark Neal join the mix? Did he work on the next record? Mark Neal worked on Brothers. Yeah. Um, I mean I I'd I'd been a fan of Mark's records yeah. for years and like um I I I I bought this toe rag record that um this Ronnie Dawson record mm -hmm. and it's fucking badass it's yeah. a great record sounds incredible and yeah I went and met Liam when I was in because yeah. I wanted to see his studio <laughs> because it's like such a it's, awesome place it's a trip yeah. Yeah. yeah um and uh but then as I started to like just look into toe rag I started to realize oh Mark basically had toe rag in the 80s in LA and, mm -hmm. and same color scheme <laughs> you know what I mean same tape machines yeah same yeah. console same concept oh yeah and so so I reached out to Mark and, I, and when we were on tour in San Diego I went to his studio mm -hmm. and cut something with him and it was and he had that little I don't know if you've been to Mark's studio in San have. Diego no. he built it in his two-car garage oh my god in a little mid-century home right but and it was the size of a fucking closet. But it, the, he would make things that sounded huge, yeah, like Capitol Records or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> he's um, really studied. Everything, he's the only you person know? I've met who 
lot of people talk about gear, but he actually has firsthand experience of what it does. Right. You know what I mean? That's right. other stuff that I was interested in. You right. Know? Like, and he's never steered me wrong. Anytime he ever gave me like a sonic recommendation, it was always right on yeah. the money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No bullshit. He's a talented dude. Yeah. Yeah. Was that just that you were doing mostly like a tracking session? Well, with him um, on, that, on Brothers? Yeah, we we decided to get out of town. Right. Um, and we went down to Muscle Shoals. Oh, that's right. Another studio that I was interested in. Mm -hmm. And uh, I got in there and it was just like fucking a shell of its former self. Right. There was nothing in there. Yeah. No, it used to be called the Burlap Palace, but it was all fucking plywood. Oh, no. You know, like oh, black no. plywood everywhere. <laughs> Dear God. <laughs> and uh, no console. Yeah. No, nothing. We Rick brought all our gear. Yeah. And Mark was uh, engineering, and he brought a couple Universal Audio wedge pre's, you know. Yeah. And um, a little, a little uh, Pro Tools rig. And um, and we just tracked down there. We, yeah. we cut a bunch of songs. <laughs> and it was great. We had a lot of fun. And it's the thing about like. That's the thing that I learned about those places. It's just, it's all about who's in them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I mean, as much as I love all these old studios and all this old gear, none of it really matters unless, you know, you <laughs> well, got they, those you know, people in there. They had those musicians like Spooner and, yeah. and David Hood and I've seen them Jimmy play, Johnson. I've and seen all them play guys. recently, in, you know, together. And it's mm -hmm. like, oh. <laughs> yeah. You hear that kind of finesse. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah. It's amazing. I mean, the, and then so, so that you know, it was just uh, it was fun. We had a good time, and 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 yeah. Mark was cool. You know, he would. He, we Pat used his Mark's old Gretsch kit, which sounds incredible, oh, man. and um, <clears throat> two mics on the drum kit. Yeah, I'm playing a little speaker, and we tracked a whole record in like a week. And <laughs> um, but then Chad Blake mixed it, right. which was cool. I thought ended up being like a really great combination because. You know, our songs maybe had like 15, 18 tracks total. And you're <laughs> right. sending it to this dude who's used to having a gazillion tracks on a digital board. And it's like a holiday for him. It was cool. I think I think Chad got into it oh, even yeah. more. And I think it showed. Definitely. So was Brian, Brian was involved in that too, right? No, he one? wasn't involved in that except for one song. Okay. That's where his name popped After up. we did the record, we were like, we got another couple months before we have to turn it in. Let's just get into the studio with Brian just to oh cool just for the hell of it see if we can come up with a song explicitly like let's try to write a catchy song it, yeah, was, yeah. Like, it was our seventh album yeah and it was the first time we'd ever said to ourselves let's write a catchy song <laughs> we'd never that had never been one of our requirements it sounds dangerous it's I <laughs> <You> know <laughs> sort of but we were just such boobs that you know but we went in the studio with Brian and <laughs> And we wrote our first radio hit. Right. Which changed everything for us. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Did you have Chad mix that too? He makes the whole record. Right. Yeah. That's what I thought. Yeah. Yeah. We cut it at a studio in, in Brooklyn just because we were all in town that weekend. And, yeah. Um, but, but it was fun. And it was just like a whole other experience. Yeah. Because, you know, the idea of writing a catchy tune was, became a fun thing to do. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? 
<laughs> well, it was such a shift for you guys too. I mean, publicity yeah. wise and everything. Yeah. You know, you were our, our secret underground fun band back mm -hmm. then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sure. To, a, to a degree, you know, yeah, I mean, sure. it just shifts. Um, with, uh, with Chad, he was mixing in Wales, right? At his place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So was house. that the first time you'd had a mixing session where you weren't attending? And, yeah, and totally. How did that feel for you? And how, what kind of, what kind of back and forth did, did it, I mean, I was gender. on the phone with, with Chad every day. Yeah. And um, we would talk really in depth about stuff, but he it always came back sounding really cool. Yeah. So it, it was working pretty <laughs> much immediately. Yeah. Uh, well, actually, it took a few days, like a few different mixes. And once he saw where my head was at, then he was off and running. Yeah. Yeah. How much is Pat involved in that kind of stuff too, like direction uh, was, and mixing? It depends. It's like yeah. from record to record, it's yeah. different, you know. Pat's mixed some of our records, right? Especially some of the earlier ones. But um, yeah, we both we both have equal say. Yeah. Yeah. So makes sense. Yeah. yeah with with Brian doing some of the later ones too, is that like uh, does that open up doors for both you guys, like you and Pat, to feel safer to throw crazy ideas around and have a mediator? Or someone else in the room besides just the two of you? Um, we always felt pretty comfortable about it, but yeah. I mean, I guess uh, you know, I guess I mean Brian just came from such a different place. I mean, he was mm -hmm. so computer based, yeah, and parts based, and like he just got us um, thinking differently uh, about things that we already were just kind of doing naturally, yeah. I guess, you know, and. Uh, I don't know. I think it was, we realized that that was the first time for me anyway, that I realized it was, it's really helpful for me to just be around people who make music because it yeah. opens my uh, mind up. Yeah. When did you move into, move out to Nashville and, and start? About eight years ago. Yeah. Yeah. I moved from Akron to here. Right. And uh, I bought the building as soon as I moved to town. Yeah. And it was just a cinder block, <laughs> cinder block. Oh, it was a call center. You oh, could nice. walk in this front door and see all the way to the back door. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, <laughs> Just a space. Yeah. You know, what What prompted your move into Nashville at that point? Uh, well, I I used to come to Nashville when I was a kid. Um, yeah. My dad would bring me down here and we'd go to Lower Broad and watch music and mm -hmm. we'd go to the Station Inn. And oh, yeah. My mom's family played bluegrass when I was growing up. So those were the first songs wow. that I learned. Sure. And it just felt like someplace i was just a place that i always loved yeah musically and then uh as i got older and was touring every time i was in nashville i'd kind of hang out with friends yeah and i started to see it in a whole new way right you know, it wasn't just the little tourist music spots <laughs> I, there was other stuff here too so it just yeah. it became the spot i wanted to go to yeah it was just the most music that i felt a connection to it's good infrastructure too. There's so much else going, so much music going on here mm -hmm. that you can rent gear and you can get. It's incredible, yeah. Like and, and, if you're using tape and you run out of tape, you call somebody <laughs> and ten minutes later they're at your door. You know what I mean? You can't get that in Portland. <laughs> you can't get that anywhere yeah. in the world. I mean, really. I mean, yeah, right. And the, the all the musicians that live here. Um, yeah. It's just it's so deep. Uh, yeah. I I keep, you know, I feel so lucky to be in this city. Really, yeah. I mean, I'm like every other week, I'm like stumbling on something or someone new that I didn't know before. That's like changing my changing my world up. 
Yeah, man. With the studio space, like what what was sort of your uh, vision for it once you had the empty building? Well, I had Mark Neal help me. Oh, and, good. Um, and basically, I just I wanted a place that wasn't too big that you could cut live live bands in. Right. Um. So that's it. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't want anything huge, you know. I'd yeah. I'd gone to all my favorite studios, and I'd I'd noticed that most of them were kind of small. Right. And I know the ones that I liked, you know. Yeah. And even the ones that were big, like Willie Mitchell's. Mm-hmm. They made them small by like right. making little tiny right. rooms and stuff. <laughs> or so, that upstairs. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, totally. Yeah, it's interesting. So that's what I went for. And yeah. um, that was it. And I just wanted a place where, yeah, like, you know, we can have multiple keyboard players, multiple guitar players, drums, right. and cut live. And, and right. So that was the goal, really. And along the way, you started doing quite a bit of production, outside production. Yeah on your own which when i sat down and really looked at the list of it dan it's it's kind of impressive yeah, <laughs> amount, yeah, you know you know that's a lot of activity <laughs> yeah i mean I, this is what i like to do I yeah mean, what were some of the first outside production things you did outside of your band uh bluegrass stuff in yeah. in ohio and people like jessica lee mayfield mm-hmm. and um just people that i that i would see in ohio and yeah would be interested in recording yeah yeah, just, or, or you know, like a band like Hacienda, who mm-hmm. was a band from Texas, who sent me a demo. And right. I thought it was really cool. Just kind of hit you right way. Yeah, yeah. And I yeah. had them come up. Yeah. They showed up. They'd never been anywhere. They'd never seen snow before. <laughs> and they all showed up in cowboy boots. And three out of the four of them fell on their ass on the way to the it's house. Slick bottoms, <laughs> man. Yeah. Yes, not. <laughs> wow. It was quick. At that point, what did you have a space that was you're using for the for the black keys and for yourself for recording? That you I had or first I used my basement, yeah, and then I had a back room in my house that I had Mark Neal come out, oh yeah, and help me design. Oh cool! I had a guy come in and he helped me with the equations, right? And and that room sounded incredible. Wow, it sounded so good it didn't make any sense to me. Yeah. <laughs> but that was that Mark Neal shit, and yeah, and um. So I had that room up there, and yeah. it was tiny. It was smaller than that. Yeah. And um, and then I moved down here. Yeah. Yeah. And then, how does the label tie into all that too? Well, I mean, you know, it's I've been extension. producing albums, and it's just yeah. like, I'll I'll do a record and tan it off to a label and do another. Re- and I'm like, it's not like artists are necessarily coming to me. I'm like seeking out projects doing all, like coordinating yeah. all the artwork right uh overseeing photographs and stuff and then i'm just handing it off to a label right, right and i kept doing this over and over again and then i i don't know i just thought it would be nice to put it out myself yeah if i could yeah you know? yeah how does the infrastructure of that work do you have a, a tiny staff or i've got a sort of... i've got a well it depends from yeah. it's 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 pretty cool i've got a um distribution deal through ada mm-hmm. and um I sort of have, I've got a couple different deals where I can sort of take a record to where it's best suited. You know, I've yeah. I've got it, you know, like the Shannon Shaw record that I took mm-hmm. through Nonesuch because I, I thought it'd be a good place for him. And right. then, uh, I've got a blues act that I'm doing and a bluegrass act that I recorded. I'm just going to take it straight through ADA. Right. Uh, and then I've got a country kid and I'm going to Warner Nashville. 
Oh wow! So yeah. it's like um, wherever it fits. It's it's pretty awesome like that. Yeah. As long as it's sort of under the Warner umbrella, mm -hmm. I can kind of navigate the yeah, album gotcha. where it's kind of going to be best served. Right. That makes a lot of sense. It's kind of a dream scenario. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's and yeah, it's yeah. only I only have it because you know just because I've met all these people and worked with all these people for so many years that right. it's just sort of um, built in, I guess. Do you have, on the on the flip side of that, do you have people now kind of trying to hit you up and make, and asking you to produce or be on the label or something that you're... Yeah, I mean, yeah but I mean, yeah. I don't usually find acts like that. Right, exactly. Kind of yeah. bigger. I mean, but that, and that's the other thing that's different for me is like, I produce a lot of records, but... Um, it's it's because I make my living on the road with the Black Keys. Mm -hmm. um, I got to just when I, I I got to just like choose who I wanted to come in. You know what I mean? I didn't right. have to worry about it being my living, so I could like get I could get <laughs> yeah. I could get a little rock band that has no budget. I can right. get Jessica Lee Mayfield and like right. do records like that. Um, you know, but yeah, you more know. picking and choosing to your. To your taste and exactly and, yeah and stuff but as a producer i mean i see a lot of times looking at the credits and stuff you're, you're usually playing an instrument you're you're uh you're probably picking uh, backing bands for certain artists solo mm -hmm. artists and stuff like that and it's like how do you see your role as a musician and a producer intertwining in the making of someone's record hmm i mean i'm just there to serve the song yeah. in whatever way I can. Yeah. And if that's like playing timpani, then it's playing timpani. <laughs> if it's playing a little bit of acoustic guitar, it's that. Yeah. If it's just getting out of the way and letting it happen. You know what I mean? I, yeah. I'll be involved whatever way seems like it needs me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, there's no really set set rules or anything. Yeah. But do I do like it to be a yeah. collaboration. And there's mm -hmm. the last time, last few times we've had a session, there's been three piano players, three guitar <laughs> players, drummer vocalists live you know yeah, so yeah. it's like there's a lot of collaboration yeah. and everyone's sort of working towards the same goal right just try to make something right. cool yeah i always feel like the the tidbits you can get back from great players are make make everything better that's everything that's all that's always <laughs> yeah. been like we said earlier about yeah. muscle shoals or yeah, any of these studios that's always been everything yeah and the more that i'm in nashville the more that i meet these incredible musicians the more i realize like jesus like there's just a handful of people who are responsible for so many of my favorite <laughs> records and so many hit records right. like you'll hear like decade like i'm i worked with this guy named billy sanford and he played the guitar on on um on um pretty woman during, right. no, 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 you know <laughs> he was billy sherrill's session leader for 25 years well, there's <laughs> how he, many hit records is that but he played on yeah. top 10 hits in the 50s 60s <laughs> 70s 80s 90s like he's never not played on hit right. records you know right it's not a coincidence yeah all these guys are they you know they're the unsung heroes of american yeah. music and it's like i don't know well your last record your last solo record really kind of delved into that yeah, and I sure. mean, that's sort of what we do here is I, yeah. you know, all those guys, when I work on records, I'll use some of those guys, you know, like I said, like how, whatever this, the project calls for, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's been awesome. It's a treat to be able to pull in people that have 
been involved in such classic stuff like that. And that's part of the reason that it's so amazing to be in Nashville. Yeah. Because I don't think there's more of those kind of guys in one right. a- one area. And you said you Nashville. did a lot of co-writing on that record, which is probably something kind of new. That was the first time I'd ever done yeah. any of that. Like, um, yeah. That's Especially a, that's a with Nashville like, thing, isn't it? You know? Well, so, so it's, a, it's a, it's a, it's, <laughs> it's like, a, I, I don't know. Because it, it seemed like, it, if you look at kind of like, a lot of my favorite records for decades, it was sort of like that. It was songwriters. Yeah, it was right. guys who wrote the great songs. And, yeah. The Brill Building people. Yeah, it was just like, like writing songs. You just, so, um, I don't know. I think that, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm not saying a Nashville thing in a deprecating There's definitely a lot of that in Nashville, <laughs> but, yeah. but it's also been the backbone of just about every thing that's been great in american (laughs) music you know how did you feel as a songwriter i mean i I feel like that sort of opened up some classic doors in your writing on that record it's very well yeah you know just like being with brian and learning what it's like to like arrange a pop song on a computer i'm around guys who just the song has to stand up on just an acoustic guitar and a vocal (laughs) and that's all that that's all they've ever done right their whole lives yeah you know so like when i'm around billy and the only thing he's ever done is played guitar on yeah. records now i'm hanging out with guys the only thing they've ever done their entire life is write songs yeah. so i'm just there <laughs> trying to like learn what i can really you, you feel like you're expanding and, and trying to keep up <laughs> yeah i mean yeah always <laughs> yeah. yeah the record really i i, I love that album uh so much because it, it reminds me of like things like the box tops and stuff where where there was like strong producer element applied to a, a you know a young mm. pop band or something you know that, that kind of classic the damn mm. pen thing sure you know and that, that kind of blew my mind like this is cool like instead of going to a stylistic throwback and just getting the right sounds you're actually going to the part of the writing and the playing yeah we're not like trying to sound old we don't like put distortion on the drums or something it's just like (laughs) yeah the what the reason that it feels nostalgic for you is because this is how records used to be made exactly it was a lot of humans (laughs) making noise and it getting picked up on mics and there's like a spirit there there's a feeling yeah that is it's like you know hard to explain unless you've heard it before yeah you know what i mean yeah it's 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 the classic mode <laughs> yeah you know? i don't know it's a good mode i like it a lot of um a lot of your records i hear lots of really uh cool um distinct uses of like delay and reverb type stuff and then mm-hmm. the what was some of the records from the past that inspired you with their usage and what what kind of devices do you like using for those effects um I um I I've like bought and sold just about everything. You know what I mean? I have a feeling. I had I had the I had mostly the, bought. Mostly bought. I had I had, you know, like the Benson Ecorec back in Akron when mm-hmm. I didn't even really know how to hook it up properly, right. you know what I mean? And but you know, we've got we've got four plates here, yeah. four different sizes. Wow, yeah. So they're just all different flavors of plate. Yeah, yeah. We've got tape slap and we've got and we use we use plugins. I don't know. I'm not so picky. It's like whatever sounds best. Yeah. A lot of times a plate doesn't work, you know? Sometimes right. it's just too massive. 
right you oh know? yeah and it's like we're eqing this play return so much it's like what's the point let's just use a plug in <laughs> i find myself doing that but <laughs> cutting frequencies out and, but yeah. you know uh but it's also like the more that you hunker down and work in the same space all the time the more dialed in you get and you kind of like yeah you get you you like you hear something you're like oh that i know what reverb will work for that or yeah something. you know what i mean yeah i feel totally. like we're at that point now we instinctually we sort of know our limitations for our reverbs and shit yeah <laughs> you know what i mean it's such a cool you know there's something that i use a lot as well and i always feel like there's just things that it evokes you know if you think of like lee hazelwood productions or you you think mm -hmm. of like the ventures or you think of sure you know, there's a lot of different things you think yeah, of classic I mean, Nashville vocal plates, you know? Yeah, absolutely. There's, all there's definitely... Uh, evocation, you know? There's, I mean, there's shit. There's so many people, like... Um, you know who I love is... Um, like, I've got really heavy to Norman Petty mm -hmm. and hit mm -hmm. the sound of his records. And um, he was... Yeah. I don't know. He was ahead of the world or oh, something. Oh, yeah, he was way ahead of everybody. <laughs> I've but gone, just gone still, to Clovis and seen I, the, I haven't gone. I've done it. I've gone and, and made an appointment and seen the Is it old awesome? studio. It's just a trip. It's not much. I mean, like you it's said, tiny. you go to these studios. And well, he like, had he had it? awesome musicians. Yeah. He had his session musicians right. always. Right. With fireballs. Those are his guys. Right. You know? right. So like, yeah. every time <laughs> there's like great music and cool yeah. sounds, you, you're almost certain to find that it's like <laughs> there was a crew there that was like hunkered down every day like getting right. into it right joe meek everyone know, all of them you know every single Spectre, one everybody and that's not yeah. unlike what we're doing here you know we've got yeah. the same musicians that are here all the time and and we're here every day we're working or i'm here at 8 15 every day you know like yeah we just work all day and yeah i don't know <laughs> what what kind of uh gear choices did you make when you put this place together like console and stuff like that i went with spectrasonics yeah uh, well that's not true no. i was there a quad eight i had a quad eight at first yeah. that i had an early uh a quad eight it sounded really good yeah and i i always really liked it um it sounded great but when i but my holy grail was always to try to find a spectra yeah because it seemed like everything all the records i really love the sound of they were either done on a spectra or done with modified spectra electronics right. parts yeah so yeah so that's so where, we found that spectra where I did found, that one come from it, it some this guy i'm sure, maybe you know him he <laughs> he used to live on an island off of washington he has a bunch of stevens machines and stuff like that really and he had he had the spectra yeah yeah that was originally installed in la in like 70 or something right. like that yeah and uh, and i bought it from him did you get another one for parts or another one no, i i got a, i got a whole other one that yeah. um <laughs> my friend i let my friends use it uh, yeah. the diamond mine in uh in queens yeah um do you know those guys like no. homer steinweiss and leon michaels i know who leon is yeah 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 they've got cool. my other spectrum oh, and they cool. use it and they use it all the time <laughs> good it's yeah. nice to see it working <laughs> yeah totally no yeah, it work out. and there's there's this kind of nice in their mind i think yeah. it sounds better i swear to god i think it sounds a little You're better like, can i swap it out <laughs> what is it about uh, the spectrosonics that the attracted you besides the records that have been well you know mark neal told me all about them mm -hmm. and he really got me up on them yeah. i was super hyped on them and then I just was doing investigating and listening to the records. 
the kind of proof was in the pudding. I just heard a bunch of records that I loved the sound of, and they were all Spectre. That's interesting. So that's what I went for. You did, uh, did you produce your dad's record? Uh-huh. That's, that's pretty awesome. I was listening to that the other day. Yeah, he, um... That's great. We, uh, he's always sort of been into songwriting. Yeah. And he would, he would write a lot of songs. He would just write. He doesn't play an instrument. Mm-hmm. But, um, he just got it in his head. He wanted to make a record. Yeah. And so he, he booked a studio, a butcher shop across town. Yeah. He booked a bunch of my musicians, <laughs> and he did it on a day he knew that I was free. Okay. <laughs> he knew you'd come by, <laughs> so he, so I went over and and yeah, helped him make his record. Yeah, it took a couple of days. It was fun. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, it's a it's a nice uh, a nice gesture. Yeah, you charge him double. I charged him. <laughs> yeah, I charged him triple. <laughs> triple. <laughs> I love that. Um, what was the Pretenders record? Richard and I talked a little bit about mm -hmm. that too. That must yeah, have been when a we did trip. that here. I mean, yeah. Chrissy is from Akron, right? She's like me, so she's sort of. I don't know what it is about Akron people, but they've got this <laughs> similar tone, mm -hmm. and uh, we instantly got along. And she came here, and it was it was like a lot. It was like any of these albums, you know. She let me choose the band, and mm -hmm. I had Rich come in, and and Seth Kaufman and some of my other buddies and and we we cut a record quickly yeah. you know yeah. she'd written a bunch of songs yeah. and you know we cut them live and we're got the headphones on and yeah start playing and then she starts singing and it's her voice and it's like <laughs> whoa right holy <laughs> shit it's like that's that voice yeah that's yeah. pretty it must be kind of a trip to hear a voice like that or to hear Dr. John you know, and well, yeah, I mean, tracking. It, it changes you, man. It's yeah. like it changes you, you know, when you when you get a chance to to work with a musician who can kind of like transcend space and time <laughs> yeah. and like mutate inanimate objects like a piano into like this living, breathing thing. It's like yeah. you don't want to you don't want to like change you always want to you know you want to yeah. so that's what i want to strive for is working with people like that all the time yeah i want all my sessions to feel like that yeah it's kind of nice i to... know they can't but, it, but yeah. you know, I, I want them to do you ever think like in a, you know i was uh, we were talking about her the other day some of the other staff and i were talking about it because actually john just went to interview bob clearmount and we worked on get close mm -hmm. pretenders right which is totally different sounding record yeah than what you guys did you know and it's like do you ever think when you get a chance to do like Chrissy or Dr. John or whomever that you're getting to cast them in a light where they're making a record that sounds like you've always wanted to hear them do? You know? not, maybe not the record that I always wanted them to do, yeah. but like I put them in a situation where I think it's going to be great, you know, mm -hmm. where I just I'm excited to hear yeah. what's going to happen. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. It's hard to explain. It's different for yeah. every, every person. But with Dr. John, you know, he's just such a New Orleans person. And I, yeah. but the drummer, Max from Germany, is like an Afrobeat whiz. And I just right. knew that it would be great, a great combination. And with Nick yeah. Movshan on bass, I just like, I just knew that would be great for Mac. And Once it was awesome. That and it kind was of awesome. Groove. Yeah. It's yeah. just, <laughs> and he took right to it, you know. Yeah. He loved it. He was a little skeptical. Yeah. You know, going into the studio. 
Yeah. Well, but, you know, at that point, he's made how many hundred records? Totally. Been involved know. in a hundred thousand records. You know, a lot of DX seven strings. <laughs> but, uh, and I'm sure he's been screwed by almost every label you know, uh, at some point God. or other. So, yeah, he had reason to be skeptical, but it was fun. We had yeah. a great time. What's in the future for you, session wise, or, or what mean, can you say? Well, <laughs> um, man, we're just. We're booked all the time, just yeah. working on records, putting stuff out. You know, yeah. we put out the Clams album mm -hmm. and the Shannon Shaw record and the Robert Finley, and we uh, we recorded a, a country singer, a young kid from Slap Out, Alabama, yeah. named D. White. Yeah. And um, and uh, so that's coming up, and I don't know, we just got a bunch of bunch of albums. Yeah. Yeah. What kind of when you're working with other artists, what? In what ways does that also influence you when you come back around to doing the Black Keys or a solo record? What changes come over you? Uh, I mean, I don't know. I haven't made a Black Keys record yet, you know, since doing all this. But right. um, time will tell for that, I guess. Yeah. But um, I don't know. I mean, like I said, like I, I go, I come in here every day, and it's anything anything can happen you yeah, know what i mean yeah. i don't put any rule on what's going to happen and then yeah and just see where it takes us so with each with each day with each artist that i work with anything's possible i guess and that's sort of the fun of it is there any artist out there that you're just dying to record that hasn't you haven't reached out to yet or you want to get mm. what would be your dream dream production job i mean i don't know i've i've worked <laughs> with a bunch of people i love i don't know I, I've got be. I've got a few of them I've got a few of them lined up. It's good to hear. Yeah, <laughs> I did some work with Bobby Bear, and he he mm -hmm. just said he the thing that helped him have some of the most success was that just like he said trusting the song. You know, yeah. just tr he didn't like try to sing all crazy melody all around the melody. He just sang the melody. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Put yeah. his trust in the song. Yeah. And put his trust in the musicians. And um, the more that I work with people like that, the more I understand that. It makes sense. Yeah. Awesome. Well, the closing thoughts? <laughs> closing, <laughs> thoughts. closing thoughts, Dan. <laughs> uh, Any words of caution? I'm done with closing thoughts. <laughs> words of caution. Yeah, <laughs> stay in school. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Being a doctor or lawyer is just is not such a bad idea. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Find us online at tapeop.com, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Until next time. <laughs>